Tiger Cast is back, ladies and gentlemen. It's not even round two yet. We don't even know. Well, June 11th is round two, but we're going to get in it real early because there's lots to talk about. And the boys have been itching to get back on and uh, rip into a few people, so we won't hold back tonight. Captain Blood 17, welcome back to the show, mate. Good afternoon, or good evening, I should say. How are you all? Yeah, going well, thanks yourself. Yeah, good, thank you. Good. And as always, we've got Tiger 71 alongside you. How are you, mate? I'm good, guys. I hope everyone's um, everyone's well. I'm now paranoid to cough. How's that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, with the COVID, us, our smokers are all freaking paranoid. But yeah, but I'm well, and I hope everyone else is well. So speaking of the, the COVID, it's been, what, almost eight weeks since we've had a podcast. What have you guys been up to in the downtime? I'll go. Um, in all honesty, mate, um, just been... Actually, this has been a very, very good little period of time for catching up on documentaries and TV shows that um, I've wanted to watch and haven't been able to. So if you're out there, I recommend the following on Netflix. If you haven't seen The Last Dance, please watch oh, it. All over it. Watching yep, the little final two watched, tomorrow. Yep, if What's you it called? Sundle, the, Last the Last Dance? Yep. Is, that like a, is that like a chick flick? No. Uh, <laughs> oh, it just, it, it's a sports docker. You know, I'm not going to tell you what it's about. Oh, no, oh, that's the Michael, and, uh, Michael yeah, Jordan yeah, one, is it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen it, um, yeah, no, I saw it. Yep. So there's that one, um, Sunderland Until I Die. I've heard that's it's good. Brilliant. Yep, absolutely brilliant. Because there's, there's themes in all these documentaries that you can relate to as a, as a sports lover, right? And the sleeper that I've just discovered is Drive to Survive, which is based on the Formula One seasons. And you want pressure, like sporting pressure. My God, you should see what goes on in um, behind the scenes in F1 and, and the rivals with the drivers and that. It is, it's behind the scenes, all access, and it is no holds barred. And they are three brilliant documentaries to get you through until the football season starts. So docos and smashing out in the gym. That's all I've been doing and working. Have you, have well, you gotten into the Tiger King series? No, you know what? My wife did, but I just I sort of saw, saw some negative press about it. And I thought, you know what? There's other things I, I sort of want to watch before that, if that makes sense. But I know yeah. that the dramas around it, but I just thought there's other things I'd prefer to watch. It's a train crash. It's one of those ones you can't look away. Like my Facebook feed was just filled with it. And I had no idea what it was. They're like, oh, we'll see what it's about. And you just, after the first few episodes, like, what the hell are we watching? But you just can't not stop watching it. It's yeah, one of those weird ones. Yeah, yeah. I haven't watched it. No, I haven't watched it. I have been getting into this. If we're talking Netflix, The Last Kingdom, that is fucking epic. If you have not seen it, um, it's about this um, day, uh, this sack. You know, The Last Kingdom set in when um, England was like four kingdoms, and the Vikings were raiding. Um, yep. So you've got Uhtred, who's the main character of the series. I don't want to spoil it, but it's epic. If you like action and drama and um, yeah, just good quality viewing. It's it's goes to four seasons now, I think. Um, and yeah, it's brilliant. It's right up there with Vikings, in my opinion, and, which I think Vikings was a legendary epic. But it's right up there in quality. And and if you, I know that Tigers, we've got a few music lovers in there. Do you have a favour on SBS? Well, you got the chance to watch it. It's a four part doco called Punk, and Iggy Pop's produced it, and it goes through the history of punk. And let me tell you. I just watched uh, episode four tonight, and it is brilliant. So there's one for the music lovers. Get on board, punk. It's um, magnificent. Done. Yeah. Well, yeah, punk's never been my thing. Um, what, I, what else have we done? Other than Netflix, homeschooling. So all the parents out there, how bad is it? Um, like, yeah, that's been doing my head in. Um, but also been just enjoying the downtime with the family. Like um, my wife, um, for those that don't know, does um, – 
emergency transport. So um, she's had some of her shifts reduced because of all this that's going around because electric service, um, surgeries have been stopped. So we've just really just enjoyed it as a bit of a, I don't want to say holiday because at the end of the day it's forced and you can't go anywhere, but we've made the best of it and it's been pretty good actually. Um, I just can't wait till June when I'm starting back up with work, um, like I'm sure everyone else, but Till then, I'm just trying to make the best of a bad situation. And I've also, to be honest, I've been watching every replay of every game um, of last year, um, particularly with the um, Colton games when I want to watch comedies. Um, <laughs> right, we'll talk more about early. we'll talk about more round one this year. But you know, round one last year and just you know, it's just brilliant. You know, it's just brilliant just watching all the garlic garlic sauce ferals start to get all this hope and and there's no real hope to be had. So that's how I've entertained myself. Can I just say one thing? Um, I just want to put it out there, and I'm sure you boys will agree. Um, the fact that the reason we love our club so much, and for some of us older blokes that went through uh, 1989 and 1990 with the Save Our Skin campaign, can I just say to every one of you 97,000 members, I could kiss every one of you. Um, seriously, uh, it's what makes our club the best club in the land. Uh, we just back up every year. And I love you guys, and thank you so much to everyone who's doing their bit for the club. Thank you. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. No, I agree too. You see a lot of bitching and moaning from supporters from other clubs on Facebook about all kinds of things, but uh, no, the Tiger Army always sticks strong. So as much as we'd all love to be there on June 11 or whatever date our next game drops, we'll no doubt all be supporting madly through our TV. But um, speaking of the footy, have you guys missed it? I know there's been that long between games that a few people have kind of just not gotten over the fact that the season stalled, but just haven't had that lost that kind of spark for it. Oh, look with me. It's been funny this year. Like I, you know, I'll watch and be emotionally invested in any Richmond game, right? It's the, it's history of the jumper and all that sort of stuff. But watching the round one game, I like the fact See, what's unique about our sport. It's tribal. Like people talk about soccer and NFL and all that being tribal, but it's not as tribal as, um, you know, being at the G or, being at a ground and, and, you know, you've got teams there with 100-plus-year histories that my dad hated your dad because you followed the Blues and I followed the Tigers type thing, that type of tribalism. And just having no crowds, I, I didn't realise – this is personal opinion only, just for me, but I didn't realise the impact of not having crowds. So when I was watching um, round one this year and even though we are giving it to Colton and, you know, just playing with him and I was enjoying that aspect of it, um, I couldn't get up for it. I couldn't – normally I can get angry and or get really, really happy and it was just like, yeah, yeah, we scored our fifth goal in a row. Yeah, yeah. And that's what the sort of feeling was. It felt soulless. Yeah, that's it. Good word, soulless. It was – and look, so am I looking forward to the game coming back? I am. Um, I, I, I'm sad in a way because with the list being cut next year, I think we, it's going to be the last time we're going to see Hooley playing around. It's going to be the last time we'll probably see someone like McIntosh if he can probably get a couple of games but then be cut because we're forced to cut him um, and a few other things. So in that aspect, I'm sort of not looking forward to the season um, because I don't want that, you know, that to happen. Um, But it's, uh, yeah, it's, I don't know, I just need, we need crowds back. Um, I was, even though I love my football and no one that's listening to this podcast can say I don't love my footy and it's not as feral as anyone else, but I'm seriously of the belief just wait till next year. Um, just run it next year. Un, un, hopefully crowds are back and there's no gimmicky rules and this caveat and this caveat to put an asterisk on the competition. Um, 
I like playing a game when it's an even playing field, um, even as we could possibly get the AFL. Um, but now that there's hubs and fucking shortened, shortened um, you know, extended breaks and all this rubbish, um, I've sort of lost the soul for it. Yeah, they, must I... just, they must have to. It must be absolutely necessary for the AFL to get this up and running. I mean, otherwise there's no other incentive, but there must be just that much negative effect if it doesn't go ahead that they have to do anything possible, I suppose. But it was weird, the no crowd aspect. There were stages where I forgot there was no crowd, but then there was other you know points in time where it was clearly obvious there was no crowd. But I was just happy to see us um, yeah, take the piss out of Carlton, to be honest, similar to what you said. <laughs> can, can, can I say, was anyone else shocked by the fact we had to borrow $650 million to keep the game afloat? Seems a bit irresponsible, doesn't it, that they didn't have anything else there. I was. I, I couldn't understand I was, it because I was if we, if see what I couldn't understand, I was, I'm with you, CB. Um, why do we need 650 grand if we if we've got the money coming in for the television rights? Yeah, they've got to stop, right? So, but we own Metricon, um, the clubs that uh, you got Richmond who could have gone a year without a blip, no games, and um, I think we're on record saying it wouldn't affect us, and I think there was three other clubs the same state as us. It sort of showed, and, yeah. And, yeah. It showed me what a, yeah, it showed me what a dead weight the other clubs are. And I, I mean, <laughs> I try to mean that as nicely as I can. If they need $650 um, million mainly to prop up the other clubs, like you've got the Rabble, Carlton, they've lost Virgin now, I think. As a sponsor, St. Kilda's, so, Kilda's over ten million in debt, mate. Before this yeah, pandemic, and, and they're talking that they're going to come back stronger than ever um, with the virus, and they're saying that because they don't have to pay any of the bills. AFL's paying it now. We have to pay it with this loan that they're taking it out. It's yeah, it sort of really surprised me. I thought the the AFL had enough of a war chest, and clubs could have survived the eight weeks. Says, Look, we've only been closed. What is it? Four months. At, lo- at the longest, you know, what is yeah. it, eight weeks, nine weeks? So why do you need 650 grand, 650 million? Yeah, there's some, something's amiss in their, in their numbers. That's that's what I feel anyway. But I would just say this too. Um, so we, we know we're going to have probably no crowds for most of the year, possibly all the year. If you have the opportunity and if it starts back up, please go support your grassroots, grassroots local footy club, please. Um, you know, they need the cash. There's... If they get the seasons up and going, there's every chance, you know, canteens may not be running or there could be a whole bunch of things, so they're going to need their money. If you've got a local footy club and you love it, now would be a good time to inquire and just, you know, if you might stick 50 bucks, so, you know, who knows? Give them something, keep your grassroots footy club going, and maybe that's the game of footy you do get to attend and watch, you know, the back end of the year. So that's the other thing I would put out there. Yeah, well, they're the ones that are going to really struggle the most because, I mean, obviously player payments is such a big thing for local footy, and that's relying upon sponsors and bar fees and... Um, memberships and canteen, all that kind of stuff. And I think there was a president of one of the clubs in the EFL or EDFL, one of the two, come out and say that he reckons it's a really bad idea for those local clubs to start up because they're going to make no money and go bankrupt unless their Correct. players pay for play for no money. And I think there'd be a, a handful of the local boys who would, but the ones they've enticed across from other clubs or former VFL, AFL players, etc., I can't see them not playing for money, unfortunately. Um I feel like the only sort of league that might be able to safely get away is the VAFA because they don't have player payments. Yeah, well, I can tell you down in Bushwoody down here, like it's got to put clubs to the wall. You know, it's meant to be an amateur sport where people don't get paid, but I tell you now, 
um, there's some big coin out of local footy. Oh, shit. And if they, if they can't get those um, canteens and those um, gate receipts and the bar sales and stuff, they're stuffed. And they're big clubs too. Little pissy clubs. I'm talking in the Gippsland Footy League. So there's a whole um, there's a whole bunch of stuff to play at yet. So that's another watch this space if you guys are keen for your local footy. Um, get involved and find out what's going on in your local town. Absolutely. And it just comes back to you've got to just support all those small businesses. Like all these big giant ones will, will probably get through it, but small businesses, small clubs, all that kind of stuff, when the time arises and we can do so, make sure we get behind one another. Great. Yeah, great. All right. Well, um, it's been a long time since round one versus Carlton, but I feel the need to back over it because there's nothing like sort of talking about how shit Carlton are and how good we are, and this game reflects that pretty strongly, I feel. So, uh, Richmond 16-9, 105 defeated Carlton, 12-9-81, 24 points, but let's be honest, it was yeah. it probably felt like about 50. I mean, during the third quarter, we got out to 50, and then we took the foot off, and the, the funny part about that game was before the season started, when they changed the quarter lengths to 16 minutes, everyone's like, oh, Richmond are going to struggle now because they, they take, you know, the full 30 minutes of a quarter to grind teams into the ground. And quarter one, we've just gone bang, 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 seven goals to two, see you later. Yeah, it was exactly how I predicted. Um, if you remember, I know we didn't win by 162 points, but all well on the way. <laughs> if we... If you had a double our 16 minutes, you know, if they'd increased the normal quarter sizes, we would have won that by that margin. But, yeah, like you said, we up to 50 points third quarter and we just went, you know, preservation mode. Just protect the kids. Um, I liked how Baker had a very good game. It he looked was like very he, good. Um, he, if you remembered my critique on him before the game, that even though last year he played all the way through to the grand final, his one weakness to me was that when he was under pressure, he would do that hack, hack kick. Um, and just blast it out, um, and it, that was causing a lot of turnovers or repeat inside 50s against us. He's looked like he's fixed it. Um, it looks like instead of just swinging the ball or his leg around his body to kick it wherever he thinks it's going to go, he's now actually taking that breath, stepping back, and then trying to trying to actually hit a target or hit a target in space. So um, that was really really good. Um, Castagna, I rate the kid. He's just got to get his he's just got to get his accuracy right. Um, but he kicked three goals, which is good. But you know, I really felt for him in the grand final, even though I was completely drunk by the end of it. Um, when I watched the re- replay, you know, he, he would have won the Norm Smith. He would have kicked five goals as a small forward. He would have. And he missed he one out the... Yeah, he wins it. Yeah. 100%. And he missed two on the full. So, and he gave a few off. So, he's he's that chaos instigator. And he showed that even against... Um, the Blues didn't have a matchup for him. Um, Bolton, like I said, I, I, I rate him. He's our next Edwards. So, yeah, look. Kids-wise, we're really, really good. I reckon um, Caddy and the like, you know, will get better, obviously, as the season goes through. Same thing with Dusty. But, yeah, we just – we blew them we blew them away when we needed to. We absorbed what we wanted to. And when they came back a little bit in the second quarter, we then went bang, 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 bang again um, in the third, put us out to 50, and then we said, okay, we can t- still take a punch. We can still retaliate really quick. We've done what we needed to do. Um, uh, Carlton's a uh, Minot side. Um, so don't worry about pushing anymore. We've won this, and that's how the game played out. So um, I, I think I tweeted. I, love... I think I tweeted at half time that if I'm Liam Jones, I, I'll be putting myself in self isolation oh. at this point in time. Oh. Very well, oh. just tore him a new one. But the Carlton say... supporters, the Carlton just... sorry, Steve, I'll, I'll shut up after this point. But the Carlton supporters after the game, you know, walking with their head wobble, and I said to my mates, mate, obviously I'm not at the game, so I, you know, I get the text inadvertently come through. Um, and I've just said, listen, you're celebrating a 24-point loss. Pull your head in the oven. 
You know, seriously, put your head in the oven. He was celebrating a 24-point loss, and that's going to give a redeeming... This is how the Colton psychosis is, you know. If they can't cheat or brown paper bag it, they celebrate the mediocrity, you know, the, 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 the losses, you know. So it's like, you know, that's why there's, there's, there's sponsors are even leaving them, like Virgin and shit, you know. They just need to get a sponsor that fixes their club, someone that, that shows that type of sponsor is shows who the Colton Football Club is. And that's why I know from what I'm hearing with my sources, cash converters, mate. Cash converters are going to be number one sponsor for Colton. You know? <laughs> anyway, guys, I'll you see, but you go, mate. You guys are being a bit naive. I would like to applaud Carlton because at the time when this game got played, COVID-19 was just breaking, yeah? Yeah, it was, yeah. So, so I'd like to applaud Carlton because for the first three quarters, they really exercised social distancing really well because they were 1.5 <laughs> metres from their opponents. They were. Particularly. They were. So, you know, kudos to you, Carlton. You showed the way for society by being nowhere near your opponents. <laughs> so, well done on that, guys. Um, yeah, and... I, I just thought, look, but once again, you know my one bugbear, and I sound like I'm paranoid and I'm wearing a tinfoil hat, how is it every time we play Carlton, 70% of the goals are from the umpires? Yeah, and see... I love I love you, CB. I love you saying that, mate, because that's why the crowd is so important. Like... I'm I'm booing right the TV right sweet <laughs> I'm booing it, but there's no background noise, you know, and, and I'm thinking fuck, you know that's normally your validation um, <laughs> if you're watching the TV. My wife and kids are looking at me like I'm a loon, um, but yeah, exactly that. And didn't they get a ride? Didn't they bloody get a ride? But I'll just say this: look, I thought that, look it was overall satisfactory, but I actually think possibly because of the, where we were with our preseason and how we were prepared our pre-season tigs. I think we probably ran out of gas a little bit towards the end because you've got to remember, Richmond played the long game. So the way we train and the way we target our season and our pre-season is all about the back end of the year. And I think the 18th team like Carlton, they're all pumped up, ready to go from round one. They're, where the, you know, they're full ball. So I think we probably ran out of gas a little bit towards the end. Um, and you know, I think Lynch, Lynch looked like... He just looked a touch rusty and same mistake game. He's just a touch off with his timing and his jumping, but you know, he starts clunking a few of them. He, he could have like been like rewrite, he could have ripped the game apart in the second quarter, second half, he just clunked a few. But obviously we know he's a quality player. Um so even though it was a good win, um, I think there's plenty of scope for improvement on the rest of the season. Oh yeah, we got the depth. Like when we you know, our big like Rewalk still kicked three, which is great, but <clears throat> all we need is Lynch. Um, if I just can't wait, which is going to happen, it's going to happen more consistency this year than last year, I reckon. Towards the end, when we both got Lynch and um, Rewalt both kicking three or four goals in a game, each yeah. of them. When that happens, our scoring is going to go through the go through the roof, and it's going to even help the other smalls. But I really love the ability. Our back line looks super offensive. Um, it really looked deadly to me. A lot of our scores were generated from the back half, and we normally get that run. But the attacking. The attacking mindset of your Bakers, your Grimes, your Vlostens, your Hawleys um, looked like it was on an extra level. Um, so I'm interested to see how that goes for the rest of the year. Is anyone with Vlosten, is there anyone else concerned? He's had two concussions in three hitouts. He got knocked out against the Pies, and then he had an innocuous knock um, against Carlton and went off uh, as well. Didn't, didn't partake in the second half of the game. Is that something yeah, you should be worried about? Yeah, look, you said that also before the post game. That's why I did something, man. I did it for Vlosten, mate. I'm the one that started the coronavirus. Just so he could get eight weeks, you know, of complete rest. 
and he's done that. You know what I mean? So I did that without a love for you, Floston. Just love, mate. So I was coughing and spluttering, and it was probably the shitting in the in the Geelong ground that probably started it, fermented it, you know. But who knows? But you're right. I'd look. But at the end of the day, his concussion will be over now. He's had eight weeks, nine weeks of no training, no contact, um, which is going to be a funny dynamic for the rest of the season. You've got players who were injured um, that have now um, have to have had that time to get themselves right. You know what I mean? So um, still sucks to be Carlton because Casbolt well, – not Casbolt. What's that other hack that they got, Kerno? His knees are still – he's still fucked. And, and I think that other one um, – that other tour that they've got. What's his name? Yeah, Cruiser went down. No, no, but what's that other one that they reckon oh, is McGovern. a fucking mis- No, oh, not, Harry not, McCoy, not, not Fatty. McCoy. Yeah, Mackay. Yeah, he's hopefully he gets to play if they can find his heart. You know what I mean? So, um, but yeah, no, there's other players that are going to come back. You know, Nick Nat's going to be better for the rest. I reckon. Yeah. Get more training into him. So um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Uh, can we talk about um, uh, what's his Stevens from Geelong? Uh is only, that for later? Uh, well, I was going to say, only talk about what's been reported. Just don't speculate or... No, no, I wouldn't like that. do that. No, I wish him all the best, yeah. Um, but yeah. It, sort of highlights the, it sort of highlights the risk and also how... I don't want to sound gloating here, it's, which is going to come off. I can't help it. And Geelong supporters, are, I don't care about them anyway, but um, they're going to have a bit of a cry. But it shows how professionally run Richmond is now. When we can take a we can take a look at high risk talent and go okay we're going to make a decision on um, on stack we're going to make a decision on Marlon Pickett with all their problems that they've had right um, and we get it right when anyone any man and his dog could tell you Stevens had issues that is well documented prior to going to Geelong um, and I wish him all the best and I hope he gets on the footy field and I'm sure he will but. Yeah. Um, his issues seem to be a lot more – from what he was saying last year, I'm being really clear on this, mix, so don't worry. He was on SEN, I think, and he said footy was his last in his mind, last in his priority. I, we, we're I, starting I, to hear that more and more now from players, aren't we? Yeah, but I still think he's in that mindset. You know what I mean? Um, and I'm hoping the force break hasn't kept him there. Um you know, in that mindset where football's really, you know, not even secondary. And Geelong, though they didn't have to pay much for him, they're still paying a, you know, a fair bit of caps, uh, salary cap for him and at least spot. And they've committed time to him. Hopefully it works out. But it just highlights to me how, you know, professionally run our players are, I mean, our club is, in picking the right type of talent with the right risks. <clears throat> Speaking of the impact of the eight weeks off, it actually just triggered a, a comment that Jack Rewalt made a little while ago that if this keeps dragging on, that he's going to be checked out virtually of the season because there's been that much downtime between when they were training and geared up to play around one to when they're going to start up again. Do you think it's going to have an impact on some of the older guys like Jack, who have obviously become new parents, um, they've got other priorities in their life now, and this has dragged on a little bit to get back up and running? Or do you reckon are they at no. that level where they can just click back in and go, no, nah, good to go? Not, not now because they don't have to go into the hubs. So right. he's had the time with his kid, and I, I think... I think now, um, I think I think if we we're heading into hubs, that would have put a different psychological impact on some of the players. But now they don't have the hubs, um, the Victorian guys. I think that will have a different outcome for those guys. That's my my um, take on That's that. That's fair call. I think that was the key, wasn't it? The hubs. That was a big issue, and yep. I firmly believe if they went with the hubs, that a lot of our guys would have pulled out. Oh yeah, no doubt. Look, asking. 
Well, people talk about they're highly paid, so they should just suck it up. Yeah, fair enough. But at the end of the day, um, they're not military soldiers. They haven't signed up for that. Um, they're like you and I, just they get paid very well. So if you were asked to go somewhere and your family cannot see you, your kids cannot see you or even intermingle with you, and it could be how they originally were discussing it, you know, 12 weeks, 16 weeks, that's just too much to ask. Um, and then people, when they look like they might even be able to bring some of their kids in, um, their families with them. Well, you still got the families that got kids that are stuck in a room. They can't go anywhere. That's not fair on them either. So, nah, um, I'm glad it's not happening. Yeah. So the only real changes that we've seen of large effect is the WA clubs are being based out of Gold Coast um, because of their their own state laws, which is their own. What they want to do is what they want to do. Do you think that's been a reasonable enough outcome? I think it's the only thing you could do. I mean. I mean, there's the, the, the logic. The, the, I can't go too deep into this. No, you know that. I know. Um, I know. I, I, when, I, when, I, when I said, I thought, oh, I don't want him to. But, <laughs> but, but okay. So, so, so you can't. For, for those Nimrod Western Australians, South Australian listeners, right? All three of us, right? Listen to this take <laughs> It's easier to relocate four teams from South Australia and Western Australia and put them into a hub as opposed to relocating 10 clubs, which is over half the competition. That's what it comes down to. And the league has borrowed $650 million. So guess what? We're going to take the easier option, yeah? Just common sense. Common sense dictates that. Yeah, you're spot on. And having the WA Premier reckon we're soft, like, you can tell he's not very educated because that's exactly the same. That's the right rationale. You can't expect 10 teams that are going to cost 10 times the, the cost to relocate them compared to four. Um, so, you know, just deal with it, really. Um, and they'll be fine. Like, really, in Brisbane, um, they're playing Brisbane, which in Brisbane they've won before. Um, Gold Coast is an easy win. Um, they've got um, – is Adelaide and Port Adelaide also going to Queensland? I'm not too sure. I think – I think they are, aren't they? It's, 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 it's Port Adelaide, Adelaide, and then you've got the Queen, two Queensland teams, and then you've got Fremantle and West Coast. Yeah. They're all in one hub, right? So really, West Coast should be going. They should beat all of those sides twice. Now they so, don't have to travel. So, so here's my point, right, guys? So they're complaining about the hubs going up there now. Do these dickheads realise that they're probably going to get a Richmond-type run of having all these home games at the back end of the season in Perth? That's right. Have they actually contemplated? Are they, are they that thick that they can't work that out, that they actually get a benefit at the end of the year? See, I would have loved for Richmond to go up to Queensland because we, we win in the crown. We play that game extremely well and then watch them all cry when we have nine games in a row um, against, um, against the other sides. You guys can hear me? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, can, I can hear, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so... Um, no, you're right. We could have gone up to the Gabatoire and uh, just tore teams apart. It. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, I reckon it all balanced out. Look, but that's, again, what I said at the start. This year doesn't sit right with me, even if we win it. Like, probably when we win it, I wouldn't give a shit. But um, I just I don't know. It's just a weird season for me. I just got to get used to it. I reckon after a couple of games and I get in the flow, oh, hopefully I'm like you, Mick, I can forget the crowd's not there. So, so we're looking at, what, 17 games. We play everyone once. I, I feel like that's an advantage for us because we were going to obviously be given the tougher draw playing the other top four teams twice. Um, yeah. With our game style, though, do you? Th- I mean, this year's going to be a survival of the fittest, essentially. Are we advantaged, do you think, as a team or disadvantaged with how we play based on a 17-game season? Oh, advantaged. Oh, advantaged, like you wouldn't believe. Other teams know it, too. 
they know we're advantage. Um, the reason is is that because we're a system-based side, all of our 25 that we've had um, that are training at the moment have all played um, for the last three years together. So our list is not – our starting 22 hasn't changed overly much. Um, and the, the few that got put in last year, we've got their replacements sitting in the wing that were pushed out, that can slot right back in, that have also had a year and a half of it. So, yeah, now we're going to be – injuries permitting – um, we won't we won't drop a beat. Um, my only concern is the size of the quarters. I read, like yeah, we played Colton, but they're a rabble. They're not really any competition. Um, Collingwood, we'll see how that goes. If you're similar to us, um, I think we. How many sides can go full blown attack, having full confidence of their back line absorbing the turnover? Not many. I reckon we can. Well, here's here's the thing. People talk about yeah, because everyone's trying to yeah, obviously the the AFL media have to write something. And, you know, it's easy to pick on the big dogs because, you know, they've got the bigger, bigger, uh, bigger clickbait, I guess, bigger audiences. But I don't see how any of this disadvantages Richmond. And I'll, I'll explain this to you. I think uh, Richmond, Collingwood, West Coast, Geelong, um, did I say GWS? No. Okay. Those five clubs are <laughs> really, really advantaged by what's happened right now because they've all got established lists, right? They've all got depth. And they've all got a system, you know. They're not trying to relearn new systems, right? So they're, they're you know, they've been working on things for years. So those clubs, I can just see those five clubs dominating this year, in all honesty, um, because, like I said, they've got the depth, they've got the systems. And when I talk about, you know, we've cut the coaches down, um, like the 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 off field stuff, but all clubs are going to keep their good people. If you know what I mean. Look, I don't see how that's going to be a dis- – everyone's the same, right? Yeah. But the one thing that separates your Richmonds and your Collingwoods and West Coasts and all that type of stuff is the quality of the people and the knowledge of the people they have in those clubs. So if you're a weak club and you have to cut, then you're at a bigger disadvantage. Just like if you've got a weak a weaker list with – you know, your top 22 might be really good, but then you fall away. Well, what's going to happen to some of these clubs when they've had to cut the list down to whatever it is? Was it 35? What are they cutting the list down to? I don't think they've landed on the number yet, but there's anywhere between, yeah, 35 and 40. So looking okay. at about four to seven players, roughly. Right, yeah. So, so for the people who don't realise this, who don't go for Richmond listening, we just won the VFL Grand Final as well. We clearly have depth, right? So if we have to prune a couple back, it won't set us uh, – injuries won't set us as far back, and we proved that last year, as a St Kilda who are lying or a Carlton or a Sydney or those type of guys. That's the difference, and that'll be the difference between those five clubs that I've mentioned and the rest of the pack by the end of the year. Yeah, the list cuts is, is it's an interesting one, isn't it? Like, I mean, you mentioned a few players off the top, Tink 71, but I, I, I agree that I don't think we'll be as impacted as other teams will be. Um, but I think the, the part of the changing of the game that we might be impacted on is the soft cap being reduced. I know, like you said, CB, we'll, we'll keep the good people there, um, but it just... The last few years, we've obviously built up to where we are now by putting all the right people in place in all different departments across the board. So to have to slash that by quite a bit, I think it's being reduced by about $3 million. Um, is there the chance it will have a negative effect or is it that ingrained in the in the plays now that they can kind of carry the baton on for all the things they've learnt? Well, do you reckon, do you reckon over time they'll introduce another tax, equalisation tax? So they'll say to the big clubs, yeah, you can go up to 30 but you're going to pay through the nose to do it if you want it. Don't they have that now anyway? 
well, it's, had, it's the game's changed, Amy. So they've they've just you know we, we've cut back. They've had to cut three million dollars at each club. So what I'm saying is they all we all reset back to a certain number. But then over time, will they go, right, you, know, you can go back up to this if you can afford it, you know, but you have to get ticked off by the AFL and jump through the hoops, etc. Well, the thing is, I think that three – yeah, look, um, it's a shame because we've built um, we've built our system, you know, we've – in a sense, if this happened to us, we more broke Richmond, it would be a great thing, I think, right, because it brings the more powerful teams down a peg. And the weaker teams who aren't paying full salary cap See, this is actually, no, thinking it through <laughs> as I'm talking, it's going to make us stronger because you look, let's say, look at Carlton, right? They've got a huge cap space, right? And they've been trying to make a play for someone. Now, that, they've lost $3 million of it. And they've still got the quality of the list that they've got now. And they've got so, to keep them. They've got to keep what they've got now, even with all of its flaws. Um, jettison some of those as well. And then try to have money to buy an elite star who's like a Dustin Martin. Let's say Dustin Martin was on the market next year. His value won't go down. If anything, his value is going to go higher. Why? Because there's not going to be many of his playing type. Because as we reduce the playing pool, because this is unfortunately what that $3 million will do, your outright guns are going to be worth their weight in gold. You know what I mean? So, um, Isn't the soft I re- cap separate to the salary cap, though? Yeah, the, the soft, soft cap, cap separate. was just for staff. Yeah, the soft cap's just for staff. Oh, I, thought, I thought it also, in fact, in the, um, the cap for players as well. No, no, I think they're two separate things. Oh well, then yeah, it's no, it um, it won't really hurt us. I don't think we're um, we're overtaxed anyway. Reduce it by three um, three million. Most clubs have to reduce it by three. So I don't see it's going. We're not paying. I don't think over the cap. It's a soft cap. Um, so I think we'll be fine. I think honestly, I think the, the the stronger will get stronger, and the weaker will get weaker. That's what I think we'll see by the year once injuries and everything kick in. That's what I think. Oh, once injuries kick in, definitely. If you, if they can't be replacing players with semi-good quality, they're going to get pumped. Yep. Now, did you guys see the the game day guidelines that were leaked? Well, I say leaked in inverted uh, quotation marks by the AFL to Channel 7, which, surprise, surprise, I wonder how that happened, uh, for 2020. So here's some of the guidelines. I'm sure people have seen this. It's, it's quite amusing. Uh, players must sit 1.5 metres apart on the bench. No high fives or handshakes. That's um, just stupid. But you can go onto the ground, you can tackle, you can bump, you can take speckies. Like, oh. I, I get they want to be seen to be doing the socially responsible thing. I fully understand that, but it, it just it's not logical. Um, it's just retarded. It, it, Gil, I hope you're listening. It's just, you're just an idiot, son, because they tackle. They uh, hot, sweaty bodies slam into each other. The damage you know? has been done by them, but by the time they get to the bench... Either something's happened or it hasn't. It's yeah, not going to, yeah. You know, I'm waiting for them to get fair income with these rules and have them all play with masks on and rubber gloves, right, and give them full-body lycra suits, right, so they can still tackle, but none of the... Because um, you can understand, when you play footy, you yell at your opposition, right? So your spittle is going all over. Yeah, yeah. Like, if, if they're testing, this is the thing, if they're going to test them twice a week, right, yep. they're going to quarantine them in the sense that no other people can go into their clubs, no other people can use their equipment, no other... So you semi-got a semi... Um, and the players are smart. When they go home, their wives and kids will be super diligent not to go out anywhere. I'm sure the clubs will already got put in place where groceries will be delivered to the players' houses so they don't have to get exposure by going out, all that other great stuff, Right. So if they're getting that quarantine, then all these rules are redundant. All that rules that they're doing is just to say, look, we're with you, community. Yep. And what really shits me is, no, you're not with us because you're back at work um, and all this sort of stuff, and, and most of us aren't. 
right? So that's the truth. And don't worry about all these rules. Just be responsible. Do the double testing. Do the other other things around it. But, you know, have the amount of staff that are going to be – the amount of staff allowed for next year. Start putting the shit in now. You know, so, you know, include the three million cap now, right? So clubs can start recruiting proper staff now to get them in. Um and, and, and shoring up their things. Yeah, I think it's just a farce. So I think uh, okay, they're allowed six staff are allowed in the coaching box now. So I, I had a guess I would say we ha- we would have maybe nine to 12, including all the stats guys and all that kind of stuff. So be interesting to see how that reduction plays a part or, or if the other staff are allowed on the boundary line. I'm not too sure. And I suppose the other change is non-playing players, um, so whoever went selected, aren't allowed in the ground at all. That's interesting. That's um. I think I think um. Also, like for the blood rule, I think this is going to end careers because, as you know, Joel Selwood is a ducking, diving piece of shit, and uh, <laughs> he normally gets opened up in the first five minutes of every game by ducking his head. So I think um, Geelong going to need to lobby for the sub rule to come back in, mate, because he'll be off the ground <laughs> and unable <laughs> to play <laughs> for the next three and a half quarters. <laughs> He made some headlines in the last couple of weeks as well. Did you all hear about that? <laughs> that was garbage. Actually, I'll defend him on that one. That was just the, the woke brigade. Seriously, pull your heads in, you dickheads. Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, the 2020 Grand Final. This one, I, I just added this one in late because it just dawned on me today that assuming we get through all the games, uh, finals and all that kind of stuff, do you think as a nation or as a state we'll be at a point come October, November, when a grand final could be played, that we're going to be able to have a crowd? Or do you think there's going to be a, an empty stadium for a grand final? And and that would just be an amazing thing to occur. It'd be empty. Um, i tell you something, right, because I know, and I hope anyone out in the public will, that's in the medical profession will know this. My wife gets daily, um, midweekly reports on what the government targets are in relation to transmission. It's all about transmission. That's what it's about. It's getting the R0 down to 0.05, right? So what that basically means is when CB goes and gets his KFC, um, he <laughs> <laughs> and, he's sur- and, and he's surrounded by um, 10 people, he won't affect any of them, right? If he's surrounded by 50, uh, 11 or 12 people, he might affect one. So Basically, what it means is is that one person, um, if we get it down to 0.05, it means the infection has, hasn't got the rate of transmission to actually become an epidemic or a pandemic. It means it will eventually end up dying off, right, because it can't jump from target to target. At the moment, Vic's not even close to it. Um, yes, we're doing really well and all this sort of stuff, but the transmission rate is still over 0.05. Once it's... Once it comes down that level, then it, the transmission will die. But it hasn't. And it's been proof on point. I sort of rang SEN, I think, about two and a half weeks ago. And they were talking about how great Vic's going because all of our cases were going away. People were thinking, oh, because I get these things, I said, no, we're still not this level. And it just took one person to go into one busy McDonald's. And next thing you know, you've got a 24 people infected within a couple of days they've just found out. Now, one truckie's done it, and he's now closed down three or four McDonald's in the northern suburbs, right? So, until um, they get a vaccine, or till they get a, a, a treatment for it, or till if the government was really strong, keep this social distancing, keep these lockdown till probably September. I know people don't want to hear it. Keep it that long, um, and that should kill it. But till then, there's no way we're going to get back to you know 25 plus people. It's no way. It's not going to happen. 
So the second um, part of the second part of that question, because my my assumption was the same line as what you just said there. So based on that, if there's no crowd involved, no corporates, no nothing, does this give any scope at all? Do you think <laughs> to change the venue? Say if there was a Sydney versus GWS Grand Final, could there be an argument to say, well, why don't we just have it in Sydney? Because no one's going to be missing out on tickets anyway. Uh, it's contracted. So you're it's con- contracted. The MCG can still legally say, no, no, you've got to play at MCG. You signed yeah. a contract that's out. Till, till um, um, 20, uh, 2052, isn't it? You've got to keep in mind it's still going to be televised, right? So where's it? People can, uh, the MCG will get value from people knowing, let's say the Americans are watching it, whoever, and saying it's televised from the MCG. It'll, you know it, what I mean? What it, what it will be, this will be, their, this will be their chance to do a night grand final. That's what this year will be. But I reckon nighttime will exemplify, and we'll know this now watching it, um, really amplify that there's no crowds at night. I reckon that will really amplify the effect of it because, you know, the d- darkened sky sort of creates a dome over the ground. Yeah, but um, they, they, if they go to nights, Mick, it opens up the international audience even more. Yeah, but do we want really – I suppose the Americans loved it when we had the Colton-Richmond game and they oh, had no footy. Oh, can we talk about the States for a second? You know, look, I don't care if you're a Trump supporter. If you do, you know, fucking <laughs> – you know, I, you know, good luck to you. But to open up like they've done, and they're tracking, I think, at 2,500 deaths per day, right? That's scary. And the thing is, is that this is the other thing, um, and to anyone out here that's listening to this, please heed my words, right? Because they're not me, so I'm going to put my serious hat on at the moment. For those that really believe this is nothing but the flu, and for those that really think that, no, 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 I'll be fine, mate, don't stress. I believe cut the bullshit and just look at the facts, right? If you're one of those people that don't believe in what the doctors are telling you, that's cool. Fully respected. All I need you to do is Google the global death rate. So all I need you to Google, right? There's a stat. And it's and it's and it's every country uses it. Um, modern country I should say, you know, that anyone dies for any reason, right? So it could be for um, disease, could be, you know, smash their car, um, uh, drugs, whatever, right? So it's a mortality rate. Each country has it, right? And it's and everyone uses it. And then just compare April, May of this year and compare that to any of any any other two months in any other year for the last 20 years. And then you're going to see the difference, the spike, right? It's like I think the general average is 68% increased death if it's a global one. Some countries there's as high as 98% increase. So if you're telling me like a country like America who has a 98% increase in just those two months – even though they're reporting, which is grossly under what they've got, but their actual death rate. See, this is the thing. When you die, as soon as the PMT's finished with you, or the EMT is what they call them in America, um, the doctor goes, time of death. As soon as he does that, they they don't do the death certificate, but they do the report for it. And that's what the, that data's put on. So it's it's updated all the time. Um, that KPI is used on. So global death rate. Go look at it. You'll see what the spike is. Um, some countries it's bloody frightening. Some countries are not too bad, even us. Like us, our, our death rate was up by 28% because we don't have people with guns rocking around, And but we've had a few deaths, um, which is more than what we normally would get. Um, but, yeah, it is scary. And, and the only thing that you can you can say that's caused that huge spike is corona. So don't underestimate it. Fully respect it. Um, please wear gloves and please wear masks. I know... And look, if you guys knew me in a personal note, um, I don't, never used to go to doctors. I don't. But this shit, from what I've learnt and researched on, please wear gloves, please wear a mask, please be safe. Because if you're not going to do it for yourself, and if you've got kids, think of your kids. And yes, they can get affected. Think of your wife, think of your grandma, think of your mother in law, your father in law, whoever else. Do it for them, not for yourself. 
do it for them. Because I, I went out shopping today with the wife, and I saw people, no no mask on, no gloves on, um, in groups of 10, 15, laughing, talking. And what people don't realise, you don't have to cough to have the spittle. And the spittle actually stays in the air. It doesn't just go up like a like an arrow and fall to the ground. It actually stays in the air. That's why you got to wear a mask on. So you might be 1.5 metres from a bloke who coughs that's got no masks. If you've got no mask, you're walking right into it. So just be smart. Be, that's be all I wanted to say. Sorry, I'll get smart. off the soapbox. No, this is an interesting version of Tiger 71 we've had tonight, I might just add. Yeah, look, people, it's good. people are going to say, look, oh, I'm alarmist and all this sort of shit. Look, I'm not. I'm just saying, why risk it? No, exactly. Yeah. Right. You're going I'll, to be safe. I'll do it, Donald Trump. you got nothing to lose. <laughs> just do it. <laughs> nothing to lose. What a fucking idiot that guy is. But seriously, just do it, you know, till they get a vaccine. Just till they just get a vaccine. Safe. Stay safe. For the love of God, stay safe. All right. Now, that's a, a very good message and one that we should all be adhering to. Um, we'll finish this up with uh, a segment that I'm very much looking forward to. Captain Blood 17's new segment called Bloodbath. Uh, I kind of ruined it on Twitter inadvertently, but I think you're still going <laughs> to be able to get the point across pretty strongly, I believe. So, CB17, the floor is yours. Right out. So, by now, most people would have heard of the most pathetic line of reasoning since Chris Scott and Geelong sucked it up over a home final. I'm talking about Vic Bias. Or sorry, hashtag Vic Bias. When you have players in the team you support, like Port Adelaide, complaining about it, guess what, Port fans? Your season's already over. Your team is mentally soft. Since 2000, actually, I'll go back, actually. There was another stat that I, when I was sparring with a knob um, last night. I want people to understand this, right, when they talk about Vic Bias. From 1997 to 2006, Interstate clubs won eight out of ten flags. Eight out of ten. And then if you take another uh, snapshot, if you look at from 2000 to 2019, Victorian clubs are ahead by one flag, and that was us winning last year. And even then, GWS in the grand final. If GWS had got up, interstate teams would actually have won more grand finals than Victorian clubs since 2000 as well. So don't believe the bullshit of what is getting peddled out there by woke talk, uh, commentators, what have you. It's an f- absolute furphy, right? So since then, they've won nine flags out of nine flags, you know, and guess what? Uh, out of the, From 2001 to 2006, they won six straight. Brisbane won three, Swans, West Coast and Port. Four different teams won six flags straight from 2001 to 2006. Right. They were really great teams, teams to be admired. Vic Bice didn't exist then, did it? Right? But we know the answer to this, right? We, we know it's a crock. So here's my take. South Australian clubs and supporters, Western Australian clubs and supporters, it's a national comp. If you don't like it, please go away and support some backwater shit old club like Sturt, South Fremantle, whatever. Sport isn't about participation and passing the cup around. Oh, Richmond had seven straight at the G. Did they? Did they, Volcano? Well, by your logic, our draw must have been very unfair in the first 13 rounds. And where does uh, Collingwood, Carlton, Essendon, Melbourne, Hawthorne, where do they play their home games against us if they can't play at the MCG? 
it's not a bias. It's just that you guys, unfortunately, are bitter losers. That's all. And you're pathetic. If you want success, demand better from your club. Don't blame the winners. Look at yourselves. That's my bloodbath. Oh, oh, he's even got a sign-off. Very good. <laughs> very good. Just, I just didn't want an awkward silence. <laughs> A uh, special shout-out to Mark McGowan, the WA Premier. You're a dickhead, mate. Yeah, he's uh, a dickhead. Just like we touched on earlier, trying to argue that bringing over 10 teams and relocating them instead of two is just batshit crazy. Uh, but the poor boys, where are we? Just consecutive days. And then you've got their social media team tweeting images of the ladder every week because they're first. And, yeah, they're, they're mentally shot, that club. That yeah. Their players coming out bitching and moaning. It's just poor form. And keep in mind, and keep in mind, right? If they're going to complain about this, and, and thank God for Eddie Maguire, because Eddie Maguire champions the club, the, the the Victorian clubs, really, really well. I'll give Eddie respect for that, right? He took on the Swans and all that stuff. If these interstate clubs they want to bitch and moan about an unfair national comp, well, that's okay. We'll take away your academies, all the salary, all the extra help you guys get. We'll take it all away, and then we'll see what survival <laughs> of the fittest really looks like, right? So be careful what you wish for. Because if it's going to happen, then we really do remove everything, warts and all. And I don't think some clubs would be real comfortable with that. Yeah, they're just they're just crybabies. They're just crybabies. That's all it is, mate. They um they won't change. Like you know, credit to West Coast, or it's probably more their coach. Said so, you know, don't make excuses. It is what it is. We we it, it um he recognises he has a benefit too because when teams have to go WA, they find it a lot harder to win. Um. You should be able to build your list to win anywhere at any time. So they could just have to deal with it. Yeah, and Hardwick said the same thing. He's anywhere, anytime. We're, we're happy to go play and do whatever. So I think for the vast majority of the coaches, they're of the same mentality and the players. But yeah, there's just that select handful that get that little bit of air time and they make themselves look stupid. And, and you talk about you talk about this. Did you see the thing that broke late, late today? Port Adelaide don't want to share the same um, facilities as Adelaide? Yeah, coffee yeah, the God. dickhead. What a clown. <laughs> They're clowns. They're just fucking, you know, both, yeah, they're all, so that's why for me, I, when I read shit like that, I just laugh because I know those clubs would never have success till they have a the culture If the AFL and you get an email from Koshy saying, look, thanks for putting us up in this beautiful golf course, but we don't want to stay in the same place as Adelaide, I reckon you'd send him one back saying, uh, go jump, mate. That's it. All up, so, okay, is that how you want? Put him in that fucking divey, skeefy um, place. That they have to go into it, you know what I mean? The backpack is where everyone's coughing. Oh, like the hostel and shit. Put him in that. It's all right, Kosh, you fucking, you enjoy it. Um, yeah, no, nah, they're dicks. What a yeah, they're just, I don't know if it's a football club or a clown college, mate, honestly. Yeah. Uh, before we finish, the other thing I want to highlight, uh, I was watching a bit of Dimmer's press conference from today, and uh, a reporter asked a really good question with the small groups training. If we were sort of splitting up our plays with Ford's, uh, mixing in with mids, mixing in with back, so we don't keep all of one line training in a group in case one goes down. And Hardwick just backed the club straight out and goes, no, nah, the backs are training with the backs, the forwards are training with the forwards, mids are training with the mids, we back our program, we trust our players to do the right thing, um, and we'll, we'll be fine. So it's it's still really great to see how solid our club is in this kind of you know crisis as well. Yeah, do we give a tip for Collingwood? It's well, going to be Collingwood and Richmond, I'm not sure it's locked in yet. They haven't really. I reckon it is, mate. I reckon it is. Don't do the Tom Brown on us and go the early crow and fuck it up. Yeah, they'll they'll need it. I've got a question for you guys, and I'll I'll give you my answer first up. Look, the speculation about it being Richmond and Collingwood is the restart game. If I'm honest with you, 
I really, really don't want us to be the opening game. I don't either. Because I'm sick and tired of watching us be the fucking guinea pigs every yeah. time something starts up, <laughs> and then they get their shit together by the end of the round. Yeah. I'm happy. I'm happy for a couple of other teams to get torched for the first two or three games so yeah. until the umpires start getting their mojo back. Because yeah. it kills me. But the reality is you've got Collingwood Richmond on, you know, on the TV guide, you know, on the commercials. People will tune into it, yeah? Seriously, do you reckon they could tune into Carlton and Fremantle or Carlton and Essendon or Essendon and fucking Adelaide? They don't have the same sort of power and pull, you know what I mean? Carlton and Richmond will automatically get all the people watching it again, um, and that's why they do it. And, look, at the end of the day, yes, um, decision-making is going to be horrid, but I go back to where we got shafted by Carlton in the first game of the year when they got seven goals from inside 50s. It can never get bad, worse than that. And uh, give it time, Mick. We still want that 50 points. <laughs> nah, and, look, and Collingwood, Collingwood's not – they're in a bit of problem themselves. I think they're not much chop. Um, we should smash them by around about 48 points like we did the last last time we played them. You know what I mean? Oh. We, they were never in it. They got junk time goals the last time we played. They they only won round two because Jack hurt himself. Um, and we had lost rants the week before and we were all at sea. But once you had our list together, they were all cocky, these little toothless, you know, um, diabetes-stricken supporters. But... Um, yeah, we just who's scratching their fucking desk? Like seriously, who's been doing it? No, one's got the rubber one hand. <laughs> playing with a rattle. Uh, <laughs> oh, Jeepers! Is that you, Mick? CB, uh, not me. I'm on. I'm on the couch. <laughs> you sure, mate? I just, I just, <laughs> you, have you got pants on, me? A bit of OCD just kicked in. There was something on my bench that I just had to rub off. Oh, sorry. Some bangles. See, I'm trying to be polite, not throw you under the bus. But I just had enough. Um, yeah, no. It's um, yeah. Who's doing that sound? That's probably CB mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, no, CB, mate. There we go. Squeaky chair, rubbing one out. You're, mate, have respect for our listeners, dude. <laughs> Jolzy, Jolzy, if you're listening to me, darling, no socks, matching underwear. I kept my promise. Oh, should, we, should we be listening tomorrow? Should we be listening tomorrow? No doubt. <laughs> All right, boys. All right, all right, fellas. Thanks so much for the catch-up. Uh, very well worth the wait. And uh, hopefully we'll, we'll do another one once we know our official fixture yeah. and who we're playing and when it is and all that kind of stuff. We'll we'll get stuck stuck back into it. And, uh, and that'll be a lot better. And yeah. on the flip side, I reckon the trading is going to get really um, pretty aggressive too because if, if um, you know, with the money being cut back, you've got to be very smart on decisions. There might be talent that might be released to um, allow clubs to change personnel. So you might have a fairly good player that they need to shunt off so they can get maximum value for him so they can in, in, inject that money into a different type of player. So I'll see what I can dig around. Uh, I'll make a few calls next week and the week after till we start. All right, sounds good. Thanks again for Easy. your time tonight, guys. And no stay safe, everyone. And until next time, go Tigers. Hashtag Vic Bias. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Richmond Big Footy Tiger Cast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and YouTube so you can follow all the roasts and toasts, the reviews and previews, and all topics Richmond. Also keep an ear out for our special episodes of interviews with past players. Go Tigers!